There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Health Essentials Podcast brought to you by Cleveland Clinic, and I'm your host, Cassandra Holloway. We're broadcasting virtually as we are practicing social distancing. We're joined virtually by Cleveland Clinic's Interim Chief Safety and Quality Officer, Dr. Aaron Hamilton. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with us today, Dr. Hamilton. Yeah, you're most welcome. Good morning. Before we dive into the podcast, we want to remind listeners that this is for informational purposes only and does not replace your own doctor's advice. So today we're going to be talking about moving out of quarantine into a new normal, which might not look like the normal that we're all used to. So as many states and businesses open back up, many people are concerned and many people aren't really sure what to expect. So today we want to provide listeners with some insight and some knowledge to help keep themselves safe as we all learn to live with COVID-19. So Dr. Hamilton, I first want to start off by asking you how you're doing during the pandemic and if you'll tell us a little bit about your practice at Cleveland Clinic, especially during these times. Yeah, that, that's a great way to start. Um, you know, I'm doing well and my family's doing well. And these are kind of unprecedented and unusual times. And so um, in that way, meaning I have a family and at home, it, I'm just like anybody else. So I've got little kids and a wife and we're just trying to manage it on a day-to-day -day basis. And it is a new normal and we're trying to find that new normal. Um, so that's what home life is for me. Uh, and on the work side, I serve as the interim chief safety and quality officer. So most of my days over the past several months have been focused on how we're managing quality, keeping our caregivers and our patients safe, and how we're making sure that we're continuing to deliver high quality care to all of our patients in the hospital and outside the hospital, all the different care settings that we deliver care. Uh, I also am a hospitalist, so I do inpatient adult medicine. So at several of our, of our hospitals, and um, so that's what I do when I'm wearing my white coat. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of COVID that's still uh, in our community and in our hospitals. And just recently, last week, I was visiting one of our COVID units. Um, and, you know, they're doing really well. Our caregivers and our patients are actually recovering. Um, but we're not done with COVID at this point. It's still there and is very much a part of our lives in healthcare, but also very much a part of our lives outside of healthcare. And I think we all feel that um, when we go home or when we have, have a day off. Absolutely, yeah, the threat is still there and we're still dealing with it on so many different levels in healthcare, in our professional lives and in our personal lives as well. Do you think that the threat is still gonna be there for you know, months and months until we basically have a, a vaccine. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a sense of optimism here as the economy starts to open. What are your thoughts around how long this will last? Yeah. Uh, well, a couple things. I think there are, I tend to think of this as a pre-vaccine era that we're managing with COVID. 
and then a post-vaccine era. And I think those two eras will likely look quite different. Um, you had a question about how long. I, it's really hard. My crystal ball has been foggy and clear and foggy and clear uh, over the course of the last several months. It, it's a little bit foggy, but I do think that we, we do have a sense and a reason for some optimism, right? Particularly in Ohio, we were effective in flattening our curve. Um, and that helped societally, it helped healthcare to be able to manage the critically ill patients that we needed to. Um, but this is not going away over the course of the summer. Uh, I don't think that that's the, the situation that we're working with. And so in the meantime, you know, there's a whole series of, of interventions that kind of help keep us safe uh, societally and help make sure that our healthcare uh, workers and hospitals and clinics are safe. Um, and those boil down to fairly simple things. Um, and we can talk more about them, but things like uh, hand hygiene and, and washing your hands, things like wearing uh, a face mask, even a cloth face mask uh, in public, or when you are, are not by yourself. I'm in my office now by myself. I wanna disclose that. That's why I'm not wearing a mask right now. Otherwise I would be. Um, and then maintaining social distance or physical distance uh, when possible. I, I tend to prefer the term physical distance because in many ways, socially, we remain very close, right? We've got all kinds of ways that we're connected. I was, doing a Zoom meeting with my family over the weekend and some close friends. And so we're still very socially connected, but we do need to keep in mind what physical distancing means for us. Um, and you know that, that's an important part of <clears throat> managing a pre-vaccine uh, COVID era. You touched a little bit about, you know, you know, what this looks like, I guess, you know, in terms of, of wearing a mask and practicing that physical distancing. What are some other big changes we can all expect to see and, and um, just expect when we're out and about as, as quarantine and sheltering in place is, is lightning in some places and we're allowed to kind of be a little bit more lax? What are some of the big changes that people should be aware of kind of going back out into their communities? Yeah, I think it, um, it does look different. And, and some people haven't really been out of their homes for a couple months. It's a, it's a big deal. And so um, what to expect really is, you know, first you'll expect to see signage, right? That maybe might seem strange to you if you haven't been out of your house for a while. So things about maintaining physical space, waiting in a queue or a line, right? That's spaced out over time. Um, and I think there's a distinction there. There's kind of what you might see at the grocery store or the salon or somewhere else versus what you're gonna see in healthcare. And I think that uh, those distinctions are important and we shouldn't confuse the two because they're different. In healthcare, we have uh, sick patients coming to us. They're very vulnerable, frail. They might have weakened immune systems. And so the precautions that we take in healthcare might look a little different than your grocery store. I can give you a couple examples, right? When someone enters the doors of our hospitals or our clinics, they're gonna get temperature screened, right? As they come in. They're gonna be asked a series of questions that assesses the risk of infection. 
They're going to be asked to wear a face mask and they will be provided one. You might not get that in other settings. Um, and you're, there's all kinds of marking and signage about creating space. And we learned that pretty early on that people need visual reminders. Now, if you go to a store or you go to the salon, you're going to see different versions of the same kind of precautions. Um, many employees in retail or out in the community are wearing masks. They're asked to wear masks by their employers. Um, there's some heterogeneity or there's some differences amongst customers wearing masks. And I guess uh, some people do, some people don't. Um, and it's a personal choice, but I, I like to remind, you know, people not, you know, outwardly, but just remind people that the reason we wear the mask is actually, it's a gesture of caring for others, right? It's protecting others by wearing the mask. And when we all wear masks, we all protect one another and we're all safer. Um, but, you know, uh, life does have to go on and we do have to find our new normal. And I think there are guidelines, you know, the CDC and the state and industry, they create guidelines. Um, and those guidelines typically are around hand hygiene, they're around wearing face coverings, they're around physical distancing, they're around disinfecting surfaces and things like that and cleaning. Um, you might see if you go to a cash register to check out, you know, a little plexiglass barrier that helps protect those people that are helping us check out. Um, those are just parts of our new normal. I think absolutely in a pre-vaccine era, those things are going to stick. Um, and I encourage people to have empathy for others, both those that are wearing masks and those that are not. And thinking about what those, maybe if you're wearing a mask, um, the thing I worry about is that somehow wearing a mask becomes like this marginalized thing. And, and really I want people to think about why that person's wearing a mask. It's really to help protect you. And I want you to think about what that person might be going home to. They might be going home to uh, elderly, frail, you know, loved one. Or they might be going home to a baby that doesn't have a strong immune system. And so I really think about that greater good uh, when we think about how we protect one another through maintaining distance um, and those things. So I think, yes, if you were out in the woods for several months and then you came back, you'd probably be pretty shocked at what you're seeing. Um, I, you know, just my life, been fortunate I've been able to get eased into it over months. And, and not everyone has that luxury. Um, and so I just ask that people kind of find that new normal um, and that they consider the recommendations very strongly as an effort to continue to keep COVID at a place where we can manage it together until we have treatments that are effective and vaccines that help to prevent the disease in the first place. I did want to ask you um, specifically about face coverings or face masks. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, you know, it's the new normal, you know, they're, they're going to become a wardrobe staple in our, our pre-vaccine kind of era is what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I feel like my team has seen a lot about 
celebrity face masks or, you know, designers releasing these face masks. And I just want to ask your opinion kind of um, also with the CDC recommendations of a face covering, you know, yeah. a, a face covering doesn't have to be super expensive or super uh, designer quality for it to be effective. Um, can you just remind us of, of what we should look for in a face covering, how to wear it properly, that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. That, that's great. <laughs> I was chuckling because uh, yesterday I was in a meeting and somebody was talking about how they had like a designer bag that matched their face mask. I was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, so um, just a quick reminder, and then we can get into kind of this kind of society fashion stuff, I think is interesting. Um, the key with a cloth face mask is that there's two layers, okay, cotton um, or cotton blend, that it covers your nose your mouth and typically rests under the chin, on the bridge of the nose and under the chin. And it's secured either around the ears or um, with elastic straps or ties. Basic, okay, it doesn't have to look pretty. I know a lot of people want it to look nice and that's great. Uh, the other thing that's important is that these aren't, the, you should treat them as kind of like clothing, you wash them after you use them. Uh, you don't just keep it and, and reuse it every single day without washing it. And it's just one like normal article of clothing. Is basically um, yeah, look, I, I think it's, I had said early on, I think that just it's very kind of American generally to make a fashion statement with things that you wear. And so, um, I encourage, if it makes people more comfortable wearing a mask that it looks nice or matches something or talk, you know, has their favorite sports team that they're not able to watch, um, then I'm all for it. I've got an Ohio State mask. I've got literally around my desk, I've got a bunch of different masks. My, my mom is a quilter. And so she's made hundreds of masks and uh, we are the beneficiary of many of those. And then I share them with friends. Um, and they're all different designs and it kind of makes it fun and I have little kids so they like it too and uh, They recently got you mentioned the fashion design. They got like ones that have mustaches on them and shark mouths and things like that So I think you have to make it fun and in the end it's about protecting others, right? So that's kind of should make people feel good anyways Absolutely, I love that message and think about why you're doing it or protecting others, you know first and foremost so here's the million dollar question for you, Dr. Hamilton. As the you know, stores and restaurants are opening back up and shopping centers, is it safe to go into these places? Yeah, it's, it, so it's all, <clears throat> it's all relative. I, I think about it's on a spectrum, right? There's, it's less about safe and not safe. It's more about uh, layers of risk and everybody has to do that risk assessment for themselves. So this might seem really obvious, but the safest thing to do, the absolute safest thing is to stay at home with your family, your family unit. Um, that is the safest thing, at home, indoors with your family unit. Um, all the way to the, the most risky thing are large indoor gatherings. So across those spectrums, and you, you can say, out, outdoor gathering and then outdoor, you know, not large gathering are the kind of the rest of the spectrum. 
throughout that spectrum, the core ways to lower risk stay the same. It's face mask, it's physical distancing of six feet, it's hand hygiene. And it's also just being using common sense, right? If you're sick, don't go out. If you see, if somebody else is coughing and sneezing, you might want to create distance there. Um, and then there's a whole discussion about, you know, shared food. You know, we're a society that shares. And it's that time of year, Memorial Day weekend, July 4th, Mother's Day several weeks ago, we get together, we barbecue, we share potato salad. We, it's, it's very communal, right? Um, I would advise, and I think the experts would advise that you have your own food, you're not sharing food or drinks uh, between people. And look, I understand that's hard. It, it's not what we're used to, um, but it is the right thing. So I think your question was, is it safe? And I think the degree of safety depends on the degree to which we comply with those things that matter, right? If you go to the, the hair salon and everyone's wearing masks and people are using hand sanitizer and maintaining distance and when they can and when they can't, then everyone's wearing the appropriate coverings and things, then I think it can be safely done, right? Um, but that is an example of a riskier type of behavior. And you can say, gosh, um, I don't want to do those risky behaviors every day, maybe. So you're talking about cumulative risk. Right. If I go to a barbecue and I socially distance outside, it's somewhat risky. Uh, but if I do that once a month, that's different than if I do that every day or every week. Um, and the same thing with uh, indoor things. You know, you have a wedding, say, you know, those happen. They happen through uh, pandemic times as well. And let's say it's really important to you. Um, and that's your one thing you do over the summer. Right. If you do that, but if you're going to a wedding every week, that's a different level of risk. Um, and obviously, if there are health issues that you're dealing with personally, uh, with your immune system or your, uh, you have diabetes or other things, then you wanna be, that increases your own personal risk. And so you wanna make those decisions on a per person basis. Absolutely, I love your um, idea on, I think of it like a spectrum you know, and how risky the behavior is. Is it medium risk? Is it, is it low risk or is it high risk? And kind of balancing out where you're comfortable falling into those categories. And still, like you said, I think some great pointers, keep those core values in mind, wear a face mask, practice physical distancing, wash your hands, don't touch your face. Everything we've been told, you know, still applies to these new situations that we're in. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and it's, you know, you might say, oh, well, you, you work in healthcare, it's easy for you, but you know, I have, I have an extended family that's not in healthcare, right? And so we're having these dialogues all the time. And it's, I, I think where we get into trouble or where it's hardest is if we, we take a very firm line and we just say, you absolutely can't go and get your haircut or you can't go to the grocery store. And it, it's more about assessing the risk and making the decisions. And then when you make the decision, exhibiting the behaviors that we know work. And uh, society's been fairly good in accommodating that, right? Making sure that, you know, masking's okay, that we create the physical distancing, that we provide hand sanitizer and places to wash hands differently. And I think that that's actually a really good thing that's come out of this is that we've shown flexibility and malleability as a society. Um, 
to accommodate what we need to do to keep one another safe. Sure. Yeah, you said it's a it's a personal decision, and you have to kind of weigh how comfortable you are. And you know, you brought up don't be afraid to say that you're uncomfortable, or don't be afraid to leave if you're in a situation that you know people are practicing social distancing or physical distancing. It's okay to say something and to leave. Of course, and we we talk about in healthcare. We we talk about speaking up for safety or speaking up if you have concern. And I I really do think that that is important conceptually to apply in your workplace, no matter where it is. If, if you have a concern about something or you see something that's making you uncomfortable, uh, find a safe way to bring that up in a respectful way, in a curious way. Uh, gosh, I was wondering, I, I saw this, I was wondering if this might be a better approach or I wanna understand a little bit more about why we decided to do it that way. Um, so it's, you want to create, you don't want to set up a hostile environment, but you do want to uh, express your concerns uh, because ultimately you're going to perform best when you're comfortable, right? And when you feel safe. And so sharing that with whether it's your friends or your employer, and maybe that's, maybe they're both, um, is really important to kind of say, this is what makes me feel comfortable. What are your thoughts? Um, or I saw this, it made me feel uncomfortable. I think that's really important as we move forward and we manage these uncertain times, right? There, we've learned a lot from the very beginning of the pandemic. And so sometimes our recommendations change on what is safe. And I know I've seen you know, videos on social media about making fun of that, but the reality is, and they are funny videos, but the reality is that um, we are making recommendations uh, to keep people safe with the best possible information. And that information changes and has changed over time. And as we've learned more, we've made adjustments. Uh, so it can feel like everybody's kind of waffling and going back and forth, but really it's about as we learn, where we adjust. It's a really important part of how we keep one another safe. Sure, yeah, and I think you brought up a good point of, you know, there's conflicting opinions everywhere you look and, and it's all over social media. And it's like, if, if someone's, you know, in a situation where, you know, maybe it's their boss or maybe it's a friend who's kind of, maybe they didn't think, you know, COVID was a big deal to begin with, or maybe they're at a point where they're just over it. You know what I mean? And, and everything's flying out the window and they're not taking it serious anymore. I think it can be really challenging to navigate these situations when you're still aware of the threat and, and you're still trying to protect yourself. Yeah, Cassandra, you're, you're absolutely right. For COVID is a big deal. It just is. And, and people get exhausted with all of the news and, and the suffering that people have. It's a lot to manage and it's hard, it's sad, it's stressful. Um, and we just kind of have to give all those emotions like a big warm hug, right? And just embrace it and then decide what's right for you. Uh, but it is hard and it's, it's been hard. The uncertainty of it's been hard. These are unprecedented times. People with kids, it's been, you know, who knew that we would all be school teachers and helping to support our teachers by doing home learning. And I mean, there are just a lot of new things. It's a lot to take on. It's hard. Yeah. So I want to ask about traveling in 2020, and you can talk a little bit, you know, about that. Is it 
still okay to plan a vacation anytime in the foreseeable future at this point? Yeah, it, it is. It's kind of like, it's kind of a corollary of, is it safe to go out type of thing? You know, is it safe to get your hair or go to a salon? Um, so yes, it is. And please think about, you know, what are those safety measures that you can do? And I can just, you know, this is my personal opinion. I think flying is something that's basically out of bounds for me, unless it's for a mission critical thing, no, you know, and you define mission critical for you. Um, hopping in the car and taking a family vacation to the campground or going to a place where you can get good physical distancing, um, I think that's totally in play. And people need time off. If, if you're uh, privileged enough and have the, the means to take a vacation, then I encourage people to do that. But, and I encourage people to do that in the context of everything we've talked about to this point. Um, you know, a beach vacation, you know, what does the beach look like? I, I don't know, what, you know, and you know, if you're gonna be in a condo or a hotel or a house, it, it kind of, gets into that spectrum of riskiness that we kind of talked about. But I, I can just tell you personally, I'm planning a vacation towards the end of the summer with my family. And we have it set up so that depending on the circumstances, maybe we'll just be at the house and, you know, do, and if it's really good news at the end of the summer, then maybe we'll take a couple trips to the beach and make sure we get our towel and tent set up in a, pretty private area. But, you know, the world has to go on. We still have to do things that bring us joy. And vacations for many of us bring us joy. And I, I don't think we take that away from people. But I do think that we help them to make informed decisions about what a safe vacation with your family or with your loved ones uh, might look like. Absolutely. So, I think I know the answer to this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyways, because I feel like it keeps coming up um, in, in my life and, and people I'm talking to. Is it safe to drive in a car with someone outside of your household? Yeah. Um, it's something that I would avoid. Uh, and if you're gonna, if you have to do it due to some kind of circumstances, life happens, right? Is really important to wear masks in that air face covering in that situation. Right, so we talked about that spectrum. Indoor gatherings are in the kind of moderate risk to high risk. A car or a vehicle is a pretty tight indoor space. And so um, I would say it's on the less safe spectrum. I would personally avoid it. Look, I, I have little kids that do lots of carpooling for all their sports and things, and we're just having to find a way to not do that. And uh, we're making it work, uh, but we're not, I think there's two parts to it. One is, I don't think it's the safest thing. I also don't wanna put another family in a position where they feel like they're letting me down if they're not bringing my kid to like, you know, some kind of activity. Um, and so I would avoid it. I don't know if that's the answer that you were assuming you'd get, but that's what I would say. Yeah, just from what we've talked about today, kind of the avoiding uh, the enclosed spaces, you know what I mean? I feel like that is, that's a car basically, you know what I mean? There's no way to, to practice that physical distancing basically in a car. So 
So I want to end on a little bit of a high note here. In your opinion, what are some positive um, things that can come out of this situation? You know, what can we learn in terms of healthcare and in terms of our everyday, you know, personal life at this point? Yeah. Well, I, I think I reflect a little bit on this from a personal perspective. I mean, I think this has helped me and my family find different ways to spend quality time together, right? We built a garden in our back. We took a staycation and we built a garden in our backyard. It was a big deal. And it was a way that we came together in a, probably a way we wouldn't have in a pre-pandemic world. So, and, you know, we're going for walks and hikes a lot more than we would have before. And I think that's been great. I think I'll continue to evolve a little bit on the family side, and then I'll talk about work, is, um, you know, our kids are amazingly resilient. All of our children are just really resilient. And so they made a, they found a way to make online learning work. Like, they're doing Zoom meetings and different things, and I was like, wow, you guys are doing it. This is great. And so I think it, it helped them with adaptability and malleability and embracing kind of technologies. I think that's a nice way to pivot into the workspace. I mean, we've been talking, one of the great things is we've been talking about virtual health and virtual visits for years. And we've just never really been able to get through this glass ceiling that's pretty low in terms of uh, making our caregivers and our patients comfortable with it we saw explosive exponential growth in virtual health and that's just not going to go away and it's a good thing and actually our patients like it and actually our caregivers like it um, but they needed to get over the hump and this actually helped people get over the hump i think the second thing is and this was not surprising to me um, but the pandemic really brought out the best in our teams and how we come together and set aside other things that aren't as important and really focus on something, right? Keeping our patients safe, keeping our caregivers safe, opening up a thousand bed COVID hospital that thank goodness, you know, and hopefully we never have to use, I'm knocking on wood. Um, those are things that really, I think it galvanized the, the pandemic and COVID helped to really galvanize teams. And that's in healthcare and that's probably in a million other places, uh, but I think that's a really positive uh, thing. So the virtual side and then how we came together as teams really is heartening, particularly on how we care for others. Sure, yeah. Lots of silver linings that are there if we look at it, you know what I mean? And in short, it's a, it's a new normal, but it's we don't have to be afraid of that new normal, I think, is, is you know really something to think about for our listeners. Yeah, well said. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Hamilton, for taking the time to speak with us. You offered so many, you know, valuable insights and, and, and some information that I think our listeners will really be able to take to heart as, you know, the summer progresses and, and we move forward in this pandemic. So thank you for your time today. Uh, thank you, Cassandra. It was really my pleasure. And be safe and be well. We're in it together, uh, societally and as our teams. So uh, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. For the latest news about COVID-19, visit clevelandclinic.org slash coronavirus. If you want to listen to more Health Essentials podcasts featuring experts at Cleveland Clinic, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from or visit clevelandclinic.org slash podcasts. Don't forget, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, all one word, to stay up to date on the latest news and information about coronavirus, as well as your own health and wellness. Thanks again for listening and stay safe. 
This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.